Alrighty, I hello everyone. I am my name is Melvina Ford. I live in the United States, uh, the state of Tennessee, and I am a mother uh, and a grandmother of two, girl and a boy. I am also a um, life coach, counselor. Hello and welcome to Obehi Podcast. I'm your host Obehi Ewanfo, and I strongly believe that everyone has a story to share. Now let's get started with this episode. Currently going to school for my doctoral degree for metaphysical science for counseling and um, working on healing therapy techniques for women. Mm. That's, that's really interesting. And that is also, um, I, I'm sure that is going to have a lot of uh, dimension to it. Healing therapy. Yeah. In fact, I, I think I did see something like, um, uh, something like rebirth, uh, holistic healing, correct? Yeah. Yes. All right, we are coming to that. We are coming to that. Let's first of all try to know you because in this podcast, we really take the time to know the individual that come here, your background, where you are coming from. That is very important because we are more interested in you than what you do. So we, okay. we do this detentionally. So tell me about your background. Where did you grow up? Uh, tell me something more about that. Okay. Well, I was born in Pontiac, Michigan. I lived with basically my father. He raised me as my mom. She passed away at the age of three. And um, he raised me. So, you know, you had a single father raising a daughter, you know, not a son, a daughter. So I was taught a lot of things from a male perspective. But and you think it was, you know, odd or wrong, but it helped me to survive. It helped me to understand a lot of things from the male perspective. Um, and I do appreciate that. Um, my dad passed right after I graduated high school. And Sorry about that. It's okay. It's been years now, you know, and every now and then I miss him. But it's gotten a lot easier over this past year. And he's been gone since 86, literally. Um, so uh, everything in life after that was a harder lesson to learn. Because, you know, you don't have the parents to bounce it off of. But I tried to use everything that he taught me growing up to help me through it. Even though, you know, you hit some curves. You, I've gone through single motherhood myself and, and, and flipped it over. I was raising a son, one son. And those were struggles in themselves because I was, you know, starting temp jobs here and there, trying to maintain balance and keep myself financially um, above water while trying to take care of a young, a young man and not having a male in the house. That's, you know, you're trying to play both roles. And that's one of the reasons I'm really thankful that my dad did raise me because it helped me to raise my son, you know, give him some of the things that my dad gave me, even though it came from a male, I felt like those are the things he would have taught if he had a son. So I gave them to my son and my son is now 30 years old. <laughs> ah, that, that's a, that's a grown-up man now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And he he's married and has two kids now, so Beautiful. he's learning his own lessons. And I'm in the next level of my life of being a grandmother and learning how to be not the mother of discipline, but the the, the friend mother. You know, advise when needed, but know when to back away. And it's hard. 
That's true. <laughs> life life is hard. Yes. Yes. But but we need to keep journeying in because it's also a journey. Yeah, it's a difficult uh it's a difficult journey. Yes. And it's a hard one. Oh gosh, but you know what? When you get to a certain age, you look back and you go, "Wow." When you realize it is just a journey and you don't transfix on on it so much, you can look back and say, "Okay, I've gotten past a lot of things. I mean, I've faced depression alone. Um, I faced suicide, attempted suicide twice, ended up in a psychiatric ward. And um, when I tried to get counseling, it was hard because the counselors didn't seem to listen to you. They were talking at you. This is what you need. This is what you should have done. You knew better. So for me, I didn't go to counseling. It was basically self-help. And I'm going to say it was about 20 years of it. You know, so the struggle was there, but eventually I did come out on the other end, but it was not, <laughs> it was not a bed of roses for a while. I'm glad I'm where I am now, though. I'm good to hear that. I'm good to hear that. Because the what we pass through in life look like a kind of lesson that sort of prepare us for where we are going. Because, like we just said, it's a journey. What we pass through sort of help to refine us, refine our skills, so that we better deal with what is ahead of us. Because it's never going to be easy. It's always going to be hard. But if we do the hard thing now, then it might become a little bit easier compared to maybe when we do the easier thing and it become harder and harder and harder until we can't take it anymore. Definitely. I agree. I completely 100% agree. Mm -hmm. All right. So, yeah, hey, please say something there. Like, you wanted to say something there. Just that I, I you know, it, we take the easy route first. You know, we always want the instant gratification. And in the end, we're never really learning the lessons that we need to learn when we're in that space of trying to get now. I want now and not understanding you're already in the now. And the lessons that you're getting are to help you for the future. Now, how was it like for you uh, to grow out, to grow up without your mother around? How were you able to navigate the, the normal routine of life? Help me understand that. That was not easy. I had a lot of play moms, aunts, and, um, you know, just other women that I cling to. I had a best friend in kindergarten. Her dad and my dad was best friends. But her mom became like a godmother to me because we went to, you know, she and I went to school together, you know, and she was either over my house or I was over her house. Our parents took us to school, took us everywhere. We were daddy's girls, but that mother figure was there in their household. So I was able to learn some things from her, be up under her for as long as I could. Just any woman figure that I could be around for any time period. You know, when I went to go visit my grandmother, she was still alive. So she was there during the summers. My aunt, my mother's sister, she was there as well. Um, it wasn't a woman figure there all the time, but just throughout periods of my life, I did have someone to kind of help me understand how to navigate as a woman. You know, um, best friends in high school who's had mothers, you know, they would, tell me certain information, give me certain things that I needed to understand growing up as a female. 
So I took it where I could, basically. What do you pass through in your life in any way contribute to where you are today as a coach? Because now you are coaching other women, you are helping people. The, uh, did what you passed through in any way um, contribute to why you are doing what you are doing? I would say everything, literally. Because it the trauma literally started when my mom passed away. I just didn't realize it. Um, I didn't realize the loss would be so hard. You know, you grow up, even though you have other women figures in your life, you still don't have that mother. You know, you have every child mostly, mainly, mostly that are talking about my mom. I never had that conversation. You know, it was hard um, not having to come home to that. So that was the first trauma. The second trauma was not having my dad. You know, when you don't have those those figures in your life to guide you and help you, you make a lot of mistakes. And the loss of having that person in the household is even worse. So, um, understanding the pain of it all and the mistakes you make from not having those entities in your life, it's, it's hard. It's, 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 it's the worst feeling in the world. You, it's really unexplainable. I, I'm, I'm thankful for being able to understand a lot of the things that even my dad, as a man, the mistakes he made, he did, I understand that he did it the best he could. Um, he only knew to tell me what he knew. You know, growing up, we think parents were wrong for certain things. And but to understand that they only raise you the best way they can. Some things they say to you could be painful as a child. And as a child, you're not allowed to speak back. You're not allowed to say your mind, whatever, you know, you feel in your heart is true for you. and you begin to rebel, you know, and in life, those words shape your shape who you become because, well, mom and dad couldn't be right. So this must be true about me. So I find myself, I found myself just owning up to those words. You know, I was told I was hard headed. I was told I wasn't a bad child. And so you, you grow up with certain words that are told to you grow up with certain mentalities you know, um, things that happen to you as a child and you don't understand them. So you form opinions about a lot of things in life and you don't understand it. And when you have a father, a male figure, especially if you haven't been, let's just say my dad loved me the best way he knew how he wasn't a cuddler. He didn't say I love you a lot, but he did take very good care of me. He wasn't abusive or anything. I ate, had clean clothes. I had a roof over my head, had food to eat. You know, but even the emotional side of it, we need as children. So when you don't get that, you start looking for it in other places. You are. Because that part of you is missing, you know, they loved you, but the other part of that love is just not there. So you start looking for it in other places. And that's what I did, you know, <laughs> um, got me in a lot of trouble. And that's what put me in the psych ward. So, um, as an adult, you know, I had a seven year old and a lot of people don't understand. And the one thing that I try to bring around is when you're in the psych ward and you've attempted suicide and thank God that you make it over, but people say you're being selfish and I'm going to be honest with you. Yes, you truly are being selfish because 
you don't have the capacity to do anything else at that moment. You're not trying to be selfish, but everything in that moment is trying to just breathe, trying to survive. And you don't even have the capacity to think about there's someone else I'm forgetting about. You're just trying to find the next breath, the meaning of life. Why am I here? It all hits you at once, you know, because you've hit so many roadblocks and so many different avenues that have disappointed you and hurt you. And then then you go back to that love that you were missing and not realizing you haven't traced it back to. It came from my parents. That's where my lessons came from. I had to go back and ask that question, why am I where I'm at? How did I get here? And the more I asked the question why, it led me back to that place in my life in the beginning as a child where despite what I did get, there were some things that I didn't get. Not to judge, not to blame, not to be angry or bitter, but opening it up, facing it and realizing that, okay, this is what it was. This is how, and I had to go back even further from me and understood how my dad was raised and how my mom was raised. These are two people who didn't have the capacity. They had their own traumas and people don't realize as well. That goes even deeper where if a child is born into the world with parents who are carrying trauma, that child carries that trauma on from those parents. So yeah. And if you don't recognize it and heal it, it's a pattern. That's where the generational curses come from. It, it carries on because no one has taken the time out to heal. So for me, that was one of the things that I knew when I started coaching and counseling. I always ask my, the first question I ask my clients, who are you? What, what is it? Who, how do you see yourself right now? I don't want to sugarcoat it. I want the hard truth. I want you to look at yourself and I make them take their time because it's crucial because I'm going to have them. I know eventually I'm going to have them go back and say, what triggered this? I'm going to have them ask the big why question. Why? Why do you feel this way? Okay, why? And it gets, you know, it's like that little child. Why? 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 But you got to get down to the root issue of of the situation in order to fix the whole situation. We have to get down to it. We have to dig it up and digging anything up from the dirt is dirty and it, it's nasty and it's, it doesn't feel good. So that's the same thing with life. Um, so everything that I've been through with my own personal coaching, counseling myself is exactly the tools that I use to work with any of my clients that I get. Thank you for that. Now, how did your coaching program started? At what point did you start to coach? Initially, it started, I would have to say, with a women's meeting. It wasn't, I didn't even look at it as coaching. I didn't label it as coaching or counseling because I didn't have the credentials at the time. But what I did was had women gatherings. And um, if you've heard of Iyanla Van Zant. That's how I kind of got the inkling of it. Um, I would say I heard of her first thing starting over house in 1999. And that was my inspiration right there. So I would have women gatherings. And in those women gatherings, I said, let's just get together as women and we'll talk. 
And from that point, I would have women in there go person by person, and I'd ask that question. It was a potluck. We made it real um, personable. It wasn't, you didn't feel like you needed a pen or a pad unless you just wanted one. You know, I wanted them to be relaxed. I made it, I created a safe space for women to be able to get together and talk and relief. Because one thing that I learned in life was something that women weren't able to do. And it was a stigma. We weren't able to use our voice as much. We were basically be quiet, do this, do that. This is where you belong. You know, this is the era I grew up in. So now it's changing, which is a blessing. Um, we're now able to have our voice. We didn't have that. So for me to create a space where women could open up and release finally, even if it meant breaking down, she knew she had a safe space to cry, to yell, to scream, whatever she needed to do. And she had sisters or other women around her that would cry with her, hold her, hug her through it and talk her through it and know she could walk away with no judgment. And we would all come together and try to figure out some ways to help each other and whatever our situations were. Sometimes you just need to cry in order to release. Sometimes you just need that listening voice. You don't need someone to help you figure it out. You need someone just, I just need your presence right now. That's all. And that's what I wanted to create. And that's where it began. Uh, how has the journey be um, for you and also with other women that come to that come to your training program, come to your coaching program? I have never been so elated. I, I'm not working with any counselors, um, sorry, any clients right now, but I have been working with students from the Navy. And uh, one woman is a housewife. And she's grown. One other one coach, um, student, client of mine, she is a coach of her, coach herself now. And we didn't find out until later that she was actually a family member. She is a, a life coach herself. She's telling her own story and she's going through the healing pattern herself right now as we speak and as she's coaching other women. Um, it's amazing to see how the ones that I have been coaching have grown in areas, you know, that they were struggling in. And I just, I just, I'm just amazed because those are the ones who really want the healing. Those are the ones who really want to grow. So, and they respect me because they know I'm going to love them through it. I'm going to be straightforward with them. Um, I'm going to let them have their emotional moments because everyone needs them. But I'm also going to get them back on the right track and the camaraderie between us all, it's, 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 it's amazing. So they refer people to me, you know, when they can, um, those who actually really want this, you know, who are serious about counseling, they will refer them to me and they tell everyone about me. And um, I would like to get more counseling um, clients, but I know that when people are ready, they will come. You can't really force anyone to do anything that they're not ready to do. It's not an easy role to face. And some people aren't ready to deal with their past. I want you to talk more about that. Why are some people not ready to deal with their past? It's a painful, painful, hurtful. A lot of it may have to do with anger and bitterness. You know, if you're 
I'm going to give a prime example. And it's not something that I've been through, but I can give it. Like, I know someone, you know, a lot of it right now, especially women who have lost a son through gun violence. These women aren't just hurt. They're angry because they lost a son and they want to, they want revenge on that person. But to talk about it, that's a whole nother situation because to try to dig down and to help them through that anger and that bitterness so they can come out on the other side as a better person, they're not willing to do that. They're not willing to do that. It's too much pain. It's too much hurt. A lot of people don't deal with emotions very well. They, 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 they don't handle it. It, it causes them to, some don't like to cry because they feel like they haven't cried so long. And to cry is like weakness and it's not, it's relief. Um, triggers or other things. Um, if I remember this, it's going to help me remember that it's something I don't want to think about because it's, again, it goes back down into pain. People don't handle pain very well. I, I don't like pain. I don't like feeling unhappy. I don't like feeling bitter. I don't like feeling any of that negativity. So I'm going to ignore it, not realizing that the more you ignore it, the more something else builds up on top of it, which causes even more friction and chaos within. And the one thing a lot of people don't understand is it affects your health. It affects your mind, your body, your, your spirit, everything. It, everything plays a part into your who you are, who you become, who you want to become. You can't become something better until you get rid of the bitter. You, you can't, you know, it's just like lemon. When you have lemon, it's bitter. But if you add it to something good, it becomes better. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think it makes sense also when people say, when you have uh, lemon, make lemonade out of it. It might yeah. be good for you, you never know. You know, in the beginning, we were saying that uh, life is a journey. Uh, Sometimes it is difficult. Mm-hmm. Actually, in most of the cases, it's, it, it is difficult. It is not like we are going to have to kneel down now and say, God, don't let life be difficult. That is not going to be the prayer. The prayer, if anything, if we are actually going to pray, is to have the courage to be able to face it because it's going to come anyway. Mm-hmm. It's not because you are bad that you are going to have rough edges in life. Right. Life generally is rough edges. Yes. The only people who do not have life as rough or as rough edges are those who never lived. Because people can also pretend to be alive. But That's the point. We don't, <laughs> we don't want people to pretend to be alive. We, you, we want you to be alive, really. Really be there, mm-hmm. wholeheartedly. Present. It is hard, yes, but face it. It is when you deal with it, knowing that there are ups and downs, knowing that sometimes you might cry if you have to. Why not? Human beings cry. Right. I've never seen fowl, chicken crying, no? Of course, we deal with our emotion differently. But the point is, you are going to have to do what human beings do. Right, exactly. I agree. It, it is hard, but you are still going to do it anyway. Now, those people who have challenges, of course, all of us have different variations of challenges and different variations of difficulty. You cannot tell the woman, like you said, no, who have had her, her son die through gun violence now, that she doesn't have the reason, she doesn't have the right to be angry. She doesn't have the right to even say, I don't want to talk about it anymore. 
Mm-hmm. It's not only that that we are talking about. You have the right not to ever talk about it because you were walking on the street. Somebody just slap you. You are innocent of that. And you say, oh, I will never walk on the street again. That is not the solution. That's true. The solution is you are going to learn how to next time walking on the street, how to look both left and right and be careful who is coming within your radius. Right. Exactly. To be sure that you are mature and know you are taking care of yourself. It is harder than just walking without caring. No? So when you have some of this individual, like you were saying, I'm going to make a reference to this um hypothetical woman again uh, who may maybe her son has died in gun violence and now she has closed up and therefore she believes that the, pro- the trouble is over but the trouble really is not over she's barely pretending mm-hmm. what can you do in a situation like that to help this person to unveil the trouble yeah the trouble will be there this is the trouble look at it you know the question about fear in most of the cases Mm-hmm. is that we think that when we say you stay there i'm going to go this way that the fear is going to go no the fear is not going the fear is your shadow you are going to deal with it anywhere you go the only time probably you do not see it is when you are in the dark you mean you are too you are in zero yeah but you don't want to be in zero sometimes you need to you need a reflection so deal with it what do you do with those kind of people it is <laughs> that's a great question because each client is so different so wow if I were to have a, I'm thanking God that I didn't have a client like that I just know someone like that <laughs> um, initially you have to be very careful very cautious and very understanding because it's a huge, that's probably maybe one of the biggest triggers in their life right now. Um, You have to hear them and you also have to pay attention to that moment when they just go left, meaning they snap. I mean, just the mention of it. So you kind of just kind of wait, you have to wait it out. You have to hear them put the little nuggets in there I'll give you an example. I, I have one and it's flip, flip it over. It's actually my nephew. He lost his son to gun violence. And it, uh, it's been a year now, earlier this year, and they celebrate his birthday and, you know, um, his home going as well, which the crazy part about it is the day they buried him is the same day he was shot. I mean, no, um, the same day, I take that back. The, the day that he was murdered was the same day of his birthday. So he was turning 21 on the same day he got, he was killed in front of his mom's house on his birthday. And they were having a gathering. Someone called him outside and he got killed just like that, right there on the front. And so my nephew He's been going through a lot because that was his first son, angry, mad at the world, wants to retaliate and all. And seeing as how my nephew has gone through this pattern before and I had to really listen to him and I'm going to give you the scenario. This is a perfect scenario. He 
was angry. Of course, all the emotions that you could possibly think about when you're dealing with trauma. And he also dealt with trauma because he was shot years ago before that. On a few days before 4th of July, he was shot and he almost lost his life. Take that scenario and go back even further. His dad was shot, survived, and he ended up in prison, but he survived. So when I say the generational curse, you see what I'm coming from. I don't want to give too much of the backstory, but one thing that I did with my nephew, and you can basically say I was his coach. You know, every every now and then when he went through his situation being shot, he would call at two, three in the morning and just go off on this rant. And instead of yelling and screaming, he would rap. So and he would be intoxicated with alcohol. You know, that's the way he coped with it. But he would call me. He would call one of my cousins. He would call his dad. He would call his sister at two o'clock in the morning, literally, and just be going off on a rant. And we would listen to him or (laughs) we would quote unquote, listen to him. You know, we knew what it was and he had to get it out. And in those moments when you know anyone that's going through that trauma, let them talk. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to answer any questions. Let them have that moment. Give them that time because eventually there's going to come a day when they will want answers. And right now isn't that time. Give them that moment. Let them scream, shout, cuss, fuss, whatever it is that they do. Give it to them. That's how you help someone in trauma. There's going to come a day when they're going to be tired of that. And they're going to want to they're going to want to get the answers. Okay. I'm still hurting. That's when you know they really want help. So the one time that my nephew, after his son was shot, he called me one night and he talked. And he cried. He broke down. And he said that he wanted to go and get revenge. I listened like I normally do. But this time, I was able to get in some information. I said, I understand how you feel, and I would never tell you not to feel that way. One thing I want you to understand is, if you say you're going to go and find revenge on this person because you know who it is, I need you to think about one one thing. You have a family here. You have another son, a young son that's living with you. You have a daughter who's about to graduate high school, and you have a wife. If you go and do this, who's going to take care of them while you're in jail? And (laughs) I laugh at it now (laughs) because his reaction, you know, he's been drinking. Of course, he's going off on a rant. And I got that one little miss, that one little sentence in there. You know, even though I did talk to him about the generational curses earlier in the conversation, he heard me. Now, me and my nephew are really, really close, very close. And the minute I said that part about going back and getting revenge and who's going to take care of your family, the whole conversation ended. 
He literally said, all right, Auntie, and hung up the phone. I cracked. I laughed so hard. I laughed so hard. But the next time he called me, me being the auntie that I am, I apologize. I'm like, you know, I didn't mean to push any buttons or anything. I'm thinking I did something wrong. And the next thing, the next thing I remember was he was like, no, 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 no. It's okay. He said, no, auntie, that's just how I am. He said, I heard you. I understood everything you said. Next thing you know, we continued our conversation. It was like it never happened. But I know he heard me because I watch all of his posts on Facebook and I watch how he responds. And now I can tell he's back on track because every other post or every post isn't about him hurting. He still talks about it, but not as much. And he's now focused on his daughter and his family. You know, even though he still wants that person who killed his son, he wants that person to be, he wants his son avenged. I get that. What parent wouldn't? Yes, they need to pay. So I know for a fact that he's focusing on his family. And I pray every day over him that he stays in that mindset. I know he gets angry and, you know, and I just hope that that anger never takes him to the point of actually stepping out and um, acting on his words. Thank you so much for that. You I appreciate the, the, the effort that you took. Uh, in fact, on a number of occasions here, I've said particularly to coaches and also to psychologists who work with, uh, with people, that, uh, okay, we are talking of this particular case now, but globally, globally speaking, people that are uh, working with um, depression, they have a lot of work to do beginning from uh, COVID-19, sorry. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of things have happened to, to us, human beings, for that singular event. And the consequences of it, we are going to live with it for a long time. So people need to be listened to. People need help. All of us, we need help. Yes. We might appear strong, but we're not really strong enough sometimes. In the face of certain situation, we all need help. And I believe that if that your cousin continues to listen to you and you continue to help him to decodify the system again, the situation that he's going through, he will definitely get out better for it. It is when we lock up, we refuse to talk about it. We believe that we already have all the answer concluded that we sort of, at a point, even go suicidal because we don't see any exit from it. It looks like a very dark block, a road. There is no road there. You can't penetrate where there is no road. True, true. But if we manage to talk to somebody who is not us, because I believe that the human brain is very complex. True, that is true. By talking to another person who is not you, who is codified differently, who understands things differently, it brings fresh water into that pond of water of yours that is that is stagnant. Yes. With those new information coming in, you are going to reprocess it again. You are going to take a different action, different from the one that you have already concluded that that is the only way to see it. It's not the only way to see it right now. At this moment, that is the only way you think it is. But there are different ways to it. Sure. So I believe that the work of um, uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, 
in this time is very important because there is a lot of depression all across, not only in the United States or here in Europe, it's all over. So we need help. People that are going to live in this world years to come are going to talk about this time that we are living in. Because it's not just because there, is, there was COVID-19 or there is still, because it's many countries that are still the lockdown in some places. But this is coupled with economic downturn. Definitely. There is a lot of people out of job. All these are not just numbers. These are people that have family that are not able to provide for their family. And these have ripple effect into different dimensions. So the work of people, coaches that are helping people to live with this situation is very important now than ever before. Yes. All right, now that takes me to the name itself that you give it, give to your coaching. Um, Rebirth Holistic Healing. Tell me about that. I'm interested in it. Well, Rebirth is a name that I came up with probably about 2011, literally. And I didn't even understand the meaning of it myself. I just knew the word Rebirth. It was initially named Rebirth Dimension worldwide dimension or something like that it's been changed though um i knew that i wanted to reach out to people globally or women globally specifically because of you know of what i've been through myself so years later i changed it to rebirth holistic healing but i also have the logo of the phoenix coming to find out the phoenix is about rebirth and that's exactly what my name you know symbolized so it's about starting over. It's about facing what you need to face and healing from it so you can obtain the dreams that you want to obtain. But it requires to do the work. It requires looking at yourself, understanding who you truly are. It, under, it, it requires crying, having those emotions, facing those people that you need to face if, you're, if you can. If not, write it down. Whatever techniques that you need to get it out of you. The, the key is to release it. Let it go. How, by everyone. But at the same time, while you're releasing it, it requires a lot of love for yourself. And it requires a lot of love and forgiveness for yourself, as well as whatever happened in the past. Because you can't change the past. You can fix now and learn from the past. But at the same time, that's tricky because while you're learning from the past, are you still blaming, placing blame? That's the really, um, that's the key to healing in itself. You have to be able to let go. You have to be able to let go of the things that you may not ever be able to understand or get the answers for. But can you own up to your part? Meaning sometimes you may not have done something but owning to your part could also mean I'm owning up to my emotions that I gave over to that situation, meaning I gave my power over to it. And it's been it had it had has it had had power over me all these years, however many years it has held you into in this anger, angry place or this hurtful place. Or it's caused you to become a, a person on the street on drugs or homeless. Who knows what the situation may be? But. We have to be willing to look at it. And that's where the rebirth starts. You cannot, you cannot put new wine in old wineskins. 
it's not going to work. It's going to spill out. And so this is where people ask the same question. Why do I keep going through the same thing over and over again? The one question is, what are you holding on to that you need to let go of? So this is where I take my own healing process and I've transitioned it into what I use for my my counseling clients, my coaching and counseling clients. I always cause them to look within. That's the first thing we're going to do before we go any further. I need you to lay it out on the table. Tell me your truth. I don't care how embarrassing it is because, first of all, I've gone through it already. Nothing can possibly embarrass me. I'm not embarrassed by you. I'm not judging you. I'm here to help you face you, whoever you want to be and whoever you are. And we have to unpack the layers little by little. And I've also counseled men as well. Um, And that was a deep situation as well. But the technique works and I don't use the same process for every person. I listen to each person and I go by what I'm feeling inside, which which gear should I press this time for this person where they're at? Are they ready for this or which avenue are they ready for? Which door should I open? So I'm kind of careful as to where they are. And that seems to help because I end up following all the processes. They just may be in different orders. All right. If you were to put maybe some of the challenges that people really are facing that are coming to you for help, uh, if you were to sort of say in two or three, which are the major challenges that people really are facing that you know of that are coming to you? Low self-esteem. Childhood trauma, those are two major ones. Um, they don't know themselves because they've lived, in, they've lived their lives in shadows of everyone else. Those are three major ones. And those three roll out into everything else. You see, when you were talking before, talking about yourself, mm-hmm. uh, you did make mention of the father at, at, at some point. Uh, we sort of leave, okay, we, now you are referring to maybe a women, okay, sometimes, most of us are like that, we sort of leave all the details of other people that tells you, do this, do that, and do that, and do that, which is actually the program, because all of us are running programs, or programs that are running in us, no? So that those programs are designed by people who have a perfect understanding of what they want, Sometimes other people just copy other program and make it run in people without necessarily understanding what is the idea behind it. And when this program crashes, because if it happens for those who perfectly understand what is going on, they know how to fix it. Mm-hmm. But what of when it happens with those who do not understand what these programs mean? And then they are the ones that are being looked upon for solution. What then happens there? So... Because you are talking of people uh, who you want to sort of correct their errors so they can uh, get get the best out of their life, what sort of strategy do you use to help them to come out of the dilemma that they are so that they can live better life? Because I believe at the end of the day, you want people to live the life that they can be proud of instead of believing that this is the end of it, but it is really not the end of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you do it? I'll go with one of the one of my students who was um, she's in the Navy right now. 
And when I first had her, she was, when I first started with her, she was, she was in the Navy then. So she is working on being an officer now. So she was dealing with a lot of unknown to her childhood trauma and how she was raised. And basically what you just mentioned about a father, father was military. I think her mom, no, her mom wasn't military, but you know, she was raised in that type of a mentality. It's a program. And, you know, of course, being in the military, you're programmed to think a certain way. Sometimes, unfortunately, a lot of military uh, personnel, my being military self, I did it a little bit, not as much because I was a little rebellious. <laughs> but um, everything is, is, is organized a certain way. So you raise your children in that same pattern. The thing about it is us as children, even though those are our parents, there are bells and whistles going off in us telling us that's not right. That doesn't make any sense, but we're not allowed to say anything. So they're holding it in. So the one thing that I do is what I did with myself. I reformed those questions. I asked those students, okay, what happened? How were you raised? What did you not agree with? And, and I give those students a chance to talk about it. What upset them? How did it upset them? You know, get it all out of you and then give them that time to say, this is something that you're going to have to do. What I did with Ebony was talk to her, listen to both sides. And I told her, you didn't have to talk to them right now, but this is something I need you to put a bullet point on in your notebook. You're going to have to eventually talk to your parents, not talk at them, not place blame, but what you're going to do is have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with them and say, this is how I feel. This is how I felt. This is where I am now. Because truthfully, no child really wants to be angry at their parent. You really don't. You love your parents and your parents love you. You just have all these programs, as you mentioned, in your head spinning around and you're trying to deprogram them all. So it's the heart. Those are the hard days. But I walk them through it. And I also let them know this is no rush when you're ready, which means sometimes they have to get some other things out of the closet and cleaned out for them in order to find that strength to be able to talk to your parent. Because when you talk to your parents, you're thinking I'm this you go you regress back into this child. You know, you're like, I'm the child. This is the parent, you know, you're a child looking up at the parent that's saying no to you or no, you can't do this. So, you know, this again, it's all programming. So you're deprogramming now. You're now you're trying to not just deprogram yourself. You're trying to deprogram your parent. I've gone through it myself with my own son. You know, he had to learn to have a voice for me. Mom, that's not it anymore. Mom, I'm grown, you know, in a respectful, tactful way. But at the same time, parents have to understand that we all grow up, we're all adults at some point or other, and we all have our own voice. We all have our own way of thinking. And it's not going to be exactly like the parent wants us. So dealing with situations like that, face it. You know, hopefully you can meet the person or talk to the person that you had the trauma with. But if not, the one thing I tell them, get a journal, get it out. Write it out. I don't care how you write it. You don't have to tell me anything after you've written it. 
just get it out of you so you can get your emotions out so you can think because when you have so much bottled up inside of you you can't think about anything because this thing has so much power over you you're you're completely helpless and you you you, you can't function it's 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 a cloud it's darkness it's it's it 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 can lead to depression so it's a very fine line it needs to be handled carefully because a person's emotions are very can be very tumultuous you just have to kind of like pay attention but eventually every person in life has to deal with this part this is the hardest part of um healing is facing it you have to face it you have to talk about it you have to deal with it there's no if ands or buts around it Thank you so much for that. I appreciate the time and also the conversation. Now, some people uh, might like to work with you. Uh, why not? Uh, you are the coach. Um, they might like to benefit from your service. So I want you to use this few uh, moments to uh, share with people how they can reach you and where are you available so they, if they want to work with you. Okay. My email address, I'm actually on LinkedIn as well. Um, my email address, though, is rebirth. Dimension, <clears throat> I'm sorry, rebirth dimension at gmail.com. That's R E B I R T H D I M E N S I O N at gmail.com. I'm also on LinkedIn under Melvina Ford. I believe I've changed my name. It was Reverend Melvina Ford, but it should be Melvina Ford, which is M E L V I N I A. F-O-R-D. You can inbox me there. You can reach out to me by, by um, email and I will gladly be able to set up um, an assessment and we can go from there and see where you want to go. Uh, for people that want to have a rebirth in their life, uh, what would be your recommendation for them? What do you uh, want them to do so they can get results? Initially, I will say, and this is something that I learned um, in the onset, you have to be ready to do the work. So just having a single session here and there is not good. I would say at least starting off with three to six months is the best thing because it'll give you time to work on the situation slowly or in your own pace. And it'll give me time to work with you to unpack the things that need to be unpacked and get to understand who you truly are. Anything um, worth working towards and actually gaining good ground, you have to give it time. It's just like you can't cook a pot of beans in five minutes, it's just not gonna happen. So three to six months, I would say is a good deal for anyone that'll give you a chance to literally start the healing, if nothing else, get a few things off the table so you can, and you'll have the tools to move forward to work on other things. Some people want to go longer, like uh, my student now, she's in the Navy. She checks in with me periodically and she'll say, Auntie, I need to do some cleanups right now. I just need some housekeeping, you know? Um, and she'll come back with me every now and then and we'll do a monthly, you know? But anyone starting off, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything less than three to six months at least. 
All right, now, uh, what would be your final thought here to conclude the conversation? This might be maybe a message or it might be a kind of a line you want to reinforce from our conversation. Please go ahead and do that. What I would tell everyone in this, in this world right now, um, remember you are on a journey and the journey is not, the journey in this life is to understand who you truly are inside. So a lot of the things that we see in, that are in front of us, we should not hold on to them so tightly because of the fact that it is a journey. There are people that are gonna come and go. There are things that are gonna happen and they're gonna, they're gonna go away. It's the lesson that is within any of the situations that we deal with and people that come in and out of our life that we're supposed to be getting. Get the lessons, love the life, when you can look at life as just a lesson, oh, this is just a lesson. It's going to, you know, it's, it's not going to last long. I'm ready for the next lesson. It's just like going to school. Oh, I'm finished fifth grade. I can go on to sixth grade. Look at life in that situation, in that capacity. It gets a little bit easier. Sometimes we get some hiccups. Sometimes we fail a class, you know, and we may have to retake it. It's okay. What did you learn from the failures? That's key in everything. What did you learn from the failure? What did you learn from the hurt? What did you learn from the trauma? Not to hate more, not to hurt more, not to be placed. But what did you learn for yourself to become better? And most of all, do not let anything empower you. Give, do not give anything so much power that you forget who you are. No one deserves that. That has really been a very interesting conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss any of our future episodes. Rate and review Obehead Podcast and share with your friends who might need it. I remain Obehead Ewafo. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you in the next episode.